and welcome to Tell the Damn Story, the podcast that celebrates the trials and tribulations, the challenges and joys of creativity, and hopefully, along the way, helps you decide how you want to tell your damn story. And today we're going to speak about a glorious, glorious creative spirit that has made an, in, an enormous impact this week. And we're going to talk about WandaVision. And we're going to talk about some Mega Millions and what we could do with it creatively. Yeah. We're going to have some fun this episode. <laughs> we're also going to talk about one of the founding members of Tell the Damn Story. Tim Fielder has a new workout. It's called Infinitum. Yeah, yeah. And it's a work of art that, oh, man, it it delights infinitum, baby. <laughs> there's so much to it. Oh, my the, God. The scope of his, um, uh, of his creative uh, uh, vision and uh, uh, the nerve and the bravery to jump in and try and tell all that he tries to tell in here, oh, it must be seen. It must be tasted. It's, the, it's delicious. I oh, think Ben's saying he liked it. <laughs> uh, I'm still working on it. I'm going through oh, it. Oh, okay. 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 <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah nice. Tim Builder, you know we love you. You know we're saying to you, best success. We're excited that it's here. We're going to take a, 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 a screen grab from... Uh, from this with inf- infinitum right here, by, right over my shoulder. Bye. That's right. We're gonna do that. Not now, but we're gonna do. That. We're gonna. We're gonna. Because we're, we're, we're gonna finish. We're, the we're gonna do it. Well, we're gonna do it. You're watching. Yeah. You're listening. Who the hell? Who the hell is here to tell the damn story? Yeah. Who is to, here? Uh, one, it's uh, uh, me, Chris Ryan, and while I have had many, many uh, uh, descriptions as to who I am, right now, <laughs> I think. Honestly, you can just call me a rewriter because almost everything that I'm doing, I'm rewriting right now, and <laughs> we're going to see where it goes in 2021. But who, who is going to steer the ship, ladies and gentlemen? Who is going to get us through all of these tumultuous seas of creativity? Well, it's the captain, of course. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we're talking about the legendary comic book scribing, iconic teenage detectives writing, great underused character developing, and globe-trotting creator of the world-renowned Iron Blackjack Day, the African-American soldier of fortune set in the 1930s whose adventures reflect today's problems there can only be one man, ladies and gentlemen, in this entire globe, in this entire world, be there a new president or no, it can only oh, be one man, that's right. one myth, one legend, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Alex Simmons. Uh, hi, folks. Here I am. And, and after an <laughs> intro like that, I need to go lie down. <laughs> I'm so tired moving, holding the world on my shoulders like that, standing in the cold of outer space. Good morning, afternoon, evening, wherever the heck it is that you are. We are happy, happy to be here with you. As you can tell from the exuberance of my co-host friend 
and buddy and the father of my godchild, Mr. Chris Ryan. Chris, so good to see your face. So, so good to see you. And I will tell you, I will, I will admit here and now that here every and week, every week I say, all right, I'm going to do a sedate introduction. Uh, every week. And then I realize I get a chance to introdu- introduce Alex Simmons. And, oh, and it, <laughs> it, the, all, all hell breaks loose. That makes so, all the difference. <laughs> Today we have such a beautiful mix of things. Oh, we're God, celebrating yeah. creativity, ladies yep. and gentlemen. Every once in a while, you just have to stop and step back in awe of what is out there and let it wash over you mm-hmm. and let it inspire you. That yes, I, I've got work to do too. You know, I have, I have. Uh, uh, something to say as well because when you see somebody express themselves as well as you saw them this week oh yeah oh yeah and there was a multitude all right we're gonna we're gonna the opening acts okay are lady gaga so thrilled so thrilled to sing this star-spangled banner for her country. It was beautiful and adorable to see. And then J-Lo coming out and say, singing, this land is your land. This land is my land. All right? Mm-hmm. A, a Latina from the Bronx. Jenny from the block, baby. Yeah, yeah. We've yeah. been with that block, too. Us, yeah. us together. And then segueing into America. And then throwing in a little bit of the uh, pledge from the... Uh, in Spanish and all, oh man, beautiful, beautiful. And then there was some politicians yep. that was speaking from the heart. We have not seen that in a long time. That was beautiful. And all of that, all of that, all of that was wonderful. And it was supposed to be everyone else's moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But a tiny, but a tiny little adorable girl. Yep, stepped up. Stepped up. Dressed like Dick Tracy. God bless her. She was dressed in <laughs> no, primary colors. I not seen that in a, was, in a bad way. I'm saying, okay. No, I mean it in the best way. She looked so adorable. Yeah. And so adorable. And and, I, and and then I find that she's the poet laureate. And I said, she's going to just do something cute. No. Then, in pleasant tones... And, and precise diction that we'll talk about in a couple minutes. What she did was lay, lay bare the soul of this country and in words that if it, does, if it can't unify you, then you better go to the doctor and get your pulse taken. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. Oh, Amanda Gorham is... You brought the heart amp- after this week, she broke my heart. She filled my heart. Yeah. She broke it open. She filled it up. I tell you, I've been, I got to tell you, Alex, I was so emotional this week. I didn't expect it. Thought I was some hard-ass guy from the Bronx. You are. <laughs> and, the night, and the night before the inauguration, uh, uh, Biden comes into town with the Dr. Jill. And, and with Kamala and, and Doug. I like Doug. He's such a regular <laughs> guy. I like Doug. Um, and they immediately go from the plane to the memorial service mm-hmm. at the reflecting pool. pool. And 400,000 souls that they remember it. Mm-hmm. And I, I cried so hard. 
I had to run into this little bathroom off the side of that room so that my son, Sean, wouldn't see me heaving and sobbing. I, I had no idea that this would break open the way it did. And, oh, my God, I just I hadn't realized that I wanted somebody of weight to, to note the loss mm-hmm. and to note the heartbreak of so many people across the country. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm crying a little bit now. <laughs> I see it. I see it. But, and, then, and then to go through all that other stuff and then come to Amanda and her piece. One, you know, as a teacher in my daytime, uh, alien. Identity, yes, right. <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, I taught, I, yeah, I showed that in class. And yeah, I, I printed the, uh, uh, the poem for them to read and, and definitely did them, had them do questions about it because their, their children are going to have to. And I want them to be able to have, remember it somehow mm. when their kids studied this poem mm. in school. It, it, it was that powerful. And, and her performance of it and her just absolutely precious. The outfit was stylish and all that stuff, but it was, it was exactly what we needed and didn't know. Mm. Mm. Your mm. turn. I'm crying. Yeah, it's okay, brother. It's okay. It's absolutely okay because that's it's your heart. That's the heart, and that's what that's what it's about. You know, um, I I will I will say that some time ago, when um, four or five years ago, well, four years ago, when you were working on um, Simple Rebellion, and we we've, we've talked about this a couple of times on the show, you had immersed yourself in the material, uh, the political arguments and the diatribe and the very brutal, angry material that was coming forth from all sides on the, on the web and on the news and everything. If you think about it, that's, that's a lot of anger. It's a lot of pressure. That's a lot of intense negativity that you dealt with at that time. And there was a point after you finished the book and everything, you were still struggling with something. And I said, you realize that when you looked into the abyss, you know, you immersed yourself in that stuff. Have you actually removed yourself from it now? Have you stepped away from it now that you don't need that to, to deal with it? You know, that you're back in your life, even though this is still a, a world that we're living in. And you realize you hadn't. And, and I'm saying that only to say that that is what all of us have been dealing with for all of these years. It doesn't matter what side you're on at that point, and, and, and that's a whole other conversation. But there's been such tension, such intense pressure, such anger, such high emotional push and pull and, and, and force, like just holding on, squeezing. And to have a day or to have a few moments in a bright, sunny day when it's about love and life and it's about opening up and it's about not taking down the other person, but standing up and going forward and trying to go forward together. 
And then to have a young person step up and say, yeah, I'm a part of that future, that future promise. And here's what I'm thinking. And there's a young lady, um, uh, I know I'm going to get it wrong because I think her first name is Amanda also, but I could be wrong. It's a young woman. Uh, I, Amanda Ghana? Yeah. Well, yeah. Amanda, Amanda Gorman. But here, the woman I'm thinking about is a young girl, young teenage girl, who is fighting for the environment. Who's fighting? Oh, yeah, for, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And another young person who stepped up and said, here's my voice. And I care and I matter and we, we need to do this. And there was such intense reaction to that. But again, another promise of this, I'm a part of the future. And, and here are my thoughts. And I think that's what we're dealing with here. And it, because, again, tell the damn story, you know, and where it's about writing and creativity and all that. But in particular, it's about the power of words. You're talking about Greta Thur, uh, Thunberg. You. Thunberg. Yeah, I, you know, so many things floating through my head. But I was talking about her to one of my writing students, my screenwriting students, because she's my student is working on documentaries, and I wanted her to uh, view uh, interviews with Greta. So anyway, again, it's about the power of words. It's the power of emotions, the power of belief, the power of words. And we've heard some powerful ones this, this week. And, and if we can talk for a minute about... Uh... You know, one of the things one of the things that's great about Amanda Gorman is that she came up, she delivered the poem with so such great diction. And then afterwards did a round of interviews where she was gracious and giving and very honest and very uh, open about the extreme auditory and verbal challenges that she had in life. She, I, I'll quote her. She said she had a whole swath of letters in the alphabet that she just couldn't pronounce. Mm. She talks about the letter R. She couldn't pronounce the letter R even up to two or three years ago when she was in college. And then Hamilton came out. Mm-hmm. And um, the the I, I forget the name of this Burr Sir I forget the name of the song. Um, it, she says it, it, there's R's in the entire song. So if she can learn the song and learn to say the song well, she could teach herself. That she could, you know. And the teachable moment for me there was look at her turning a challenge into an asset. Mm -hmm. The precise diction that she used is part of over-enunciating to make sure she could say all of these things. And I heard that in an interview with Anderson Cooper, who talked about his own stutter and Biden's stutter. This is a leadership that embraces its humanity mm-hmm. and overcomes its obstacles. And there are, there's so much to inspire. And then here she is, 22 years old, African-American, absolutely just, she was so adorable 
and then inspiring and then deep and then soul filling all in the span of five minutes. How can you not believe in the future generations and the future of this country when this kid can come up, you know? And she had only written half of it. She had researched, she had read all the other um, uh, poems in all the other inaugurations, and she had done research and looked at all this different stuff, and then January 6th happened. Okay, January 6th, she had half the poem written and she saw what she saw through an artist's mm -hmm. eye, mm -hmm. created from what she was seeing, not letting it dim her, her vision of the hope of America, of the idea of America, of the belief in America, but to take it and it, this, she's so tiny and so beautifully passionately, lovingly defiant in in the cause of America. You cannot Chris, help Chris, but Chris, believe. Stop holding back here. Just, just really tell us what believe in. Well, it's almost Avengers Endgame. No. <laughs> That's a callback to an earlier episode. But really, when it encapsulated both sides of my world, you know, the creative side, the side that we share, you know, I, and the teaching side, which we also share. Yeah. You want to see, like you, you teach screenwriting. You want to see the moments of beauty and glory from your your students' creativity. I, I you know? can I can just quickly and again, you know, again, folks, this is this is who we are. So you know, get a box of tissues. Now, I I've had the joy of not only teaching young people, children, as well as high school and college age students over the years, the creative arts, you know, um, comics and, and just straight on writing, uh, fiction and nonfiction. Uh, but I've also, because of my affiliation with um, certain organizations, have had the opportunity to work with international students. Yes. And, you know, both here and abroad. And the, the beauty of watching young people get it, to realize, oh, you mean what, what I feel, what I think, how I'm doing, this is working, you, you, you get me, you get what I'm saying, and to watch them sort of, suddenly, it's, it's like the light starts radiating from behind them, you can see the cape flying, you can see their mind expanding, you can see their chest filling up, not with ego, but with belief and pride, and, and two incidences, I won't tell the whole story, I'll just simply say two incidents in my life in particular, one of them happened today. Uh, but the other one was five years ago with uh, a, a screenwriting student of mine who, who wrote a short film script, filmed it, and in, in it, it involved a person who was so upset and angry and had been put down so much that he wanted to strike out at the world, and he was going to commit a heinous act. And he almost does it, and then he pulls back at the last moment, he doesn't do it, and he goes off to try and just deal with the demons and beat them down as, as a better human being, right? So he almost takes a life, but he chooses not to do it. And when I watched the film, and it was such a pedestrian sort of setup because the kid had you know, limited budget, so it's, it's just people, subway platform, things like that. When I asked him what inspired that story, he then proceeds to tell me that he was in his country years ago as a little boy, and he saw an even worse mob action 
where a mob was slaughtering people on the streets. And he had to run with his childhood friends for safety. And two of them didn't make it. Yeah. And the following day, looking at the remnants of all that, he couldn't believe that human beings could go that far into a bad, evil, terrible, horrible place and not have something good inside of them stop them. And he, he said from that point forward, he always wanted to tell a story. He wanted to do a bigger thing, but he wanted to tell a story where that was the thing, where the human being was fighting against that urge to just do this horrible thing. And at the last moment, some decency pulled him back. And I thought, my God, if I hadn't asked, I wouldn't have known that he's been living with that for mm-hmm. something like 15 years, mm-hmm. trying to find a way to communicate such an intense emotional feeling. And is it? He's from another country. English is not his first language, but he used what he had in order to get that out there. And I think, again, the power of the arts, the power of words, the power of telling stories is beyond measure. And I think when you look to the young people who already at, at you know, 10 years old or 15 or 22, because I've run into them, have so much they want to say that, you know, people like you and I, all you know, our, part of our mission in life is to make way for them. Yeah. Give them the oh, tools yeah. they can and make a way and for make them. Way. And it is not lost on me. It shouldn't be lost on anybody. And I don't think it was. And Amanda Gorman delivered that piece of American history, American art history, two weeks after the insurrection, on the spot of Mm -hmm. the insurrection. Mm -hmm. So we went from the depths of this mistake, this, this... conning of America, this misleading of America to this inspiring of America. Mm. And I will be forever grateful for it. You know? And there's no there's no limitation on where the creative spirit can go. From Amanda Gorman <laughs> Infinitum by Tim Fielder where you go from early king to space and track the evolution or the 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 African and then African American and then the experience in one sci-fi. So I want to celebrate both. It's kind of it's kind of a thin bridge between the two. That was a transition there. That was a transition. We just transitioned from. The, the whole Amanda and, and, and the inauguration and all of that wonderful stuff to to our boy, Tim. Uh, our our boy, Tim, from that cute, adorable 22-year-old girl, you went to this big, oversized, hairy-faced man. But okay. Huge, huge connect. guy. Huge I see the connection. Because yes. they both have heart and they both are trying to tell stories. So go on, speak. Because you the bought art, Tim. I, he did, I couldn't it. wait. I he know paid. I wanted to wait to get an autographed copy from Tim, yeah. but yeah. I couldn't wait. I yeah. couldn't wait. I wanted to see it. And, um, and just to uh, describe it to you, each page is one panel of, of, pure of the color, Tim color art. signature Tim Fielder art. And it, it goes from ancient African 
a society through to Afrofuturism, to the, 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 the cosmos. And uh, wow, the, the, the limitlessness of, of creativity, if we allow ourselves, you know, what is the line that she says? If we are, uh, if we're brave enough to see it, mm-hmm. if we're brave enough to be it. Yeah. If you haven't seen uh, Amanda, YouTube that baby. And yeah, if you haven't that. seen <laughs> Tim Fielder, yeah, get yeah. yourself on a website, baby. <laughs> Bye, baby. Tim, Tim was working on this project for, you know, Tim, you, you know the exact numbers, but I'm thinking it's been two, three years that he's been working on this. Um, and, and this is another one of those things, because we're going to be talking about money uh, and creativity and, and millions and billions of dollars out there for creativity or that's been thrown in that direction. But, uh, you know, Tim started working on this project like he did with Maddie's Rocket long before he had any kind of a deal or a contract or any cash money on the table. This, you know, it's not as a, as a labor of love and a story and a communication, a vision that he had to put out there that, that's that the, uh, share. That, that's the truth of creativity. Mm-hmm. It's an act of faith. It's an act of love. And, it, you know, it's very rare that we do it with a calculation of, this contract or that contract, yep. You know, and uh, Amanda, uh, she she knew she had to write this in in December, but she kept writing it to get the moment right. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tim Fielder may have been, and these are the 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 furthest differences you can with these two people. <laughs> um, but Tim, you know, uh, he wrote it. He he wrote it and, and drew it and painted it and. Uh, digitally uh, processed it, all those things. Um, He believed in the idea and then got the contract. And so many of us do that. So take heart. Yeah, it's a magnum opus. Have faith, yeah. Have faith, yeah. Yeah. So let's speak about about faith and creativity uh, before the big bucks, you know. Um, Because you mentioned... uh, (laughs) What was it? You mentioned the the uh, lottery here in New York. Well, you want to do that? You want to do that now? Well, aren't we there? Because that's where no, we're going to we're gonna do. Film. We're going to do Wandavision and then get. There. Oh, you want to do Wanda? Okay. So here's a quick first. Okay. Quick go Wanda for update. Go for, go Only for. one of us is watching Wandavision. Me. Yeah. Uh, uh, watched uh, episode three twice in preparation for the show. Uh, that's the story I'm telling. I'm sticking to that story. It's not because I'm a nerd about Marvel. Um, we, you know, very quickly because we're not going to do a lot of spoilers. The story goes to um, whether they're risking everything or playing with house money. Because mm-hmm. one of the things that I love, absolutely love about Wandavision, is they are taking an enormous risk because there are so many inside jokes for people of our age, you know, and who have watched the different decades of, of, of television that they're commenting on. And at the same time, the more you look at it, the more you realize it is following the Marvel formula. 
where the script is really well written and mm-hmm. everything about the script has meaning. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, the goddess said, I just want to watch all of the episodes so I can see the whole picture right. and then enjoy it again. Um, episode three takes a turn to del- we are very clear now that there are some things that are going on and we're starting to get some some evidence that it's happening and evidence that there are at least two realities that we're dealing with. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to suspect, and this is not a spoiler, I'm starting to suspect that this story will not be contained only in the nine episodes of WandaVision. There's, there's, there's speculation is, out there to support yeah, that speculation. Yeah, I think it is the opening act, you know, for Spider-Man 3 and Doctor Strange 2, the uh, multiverse of madness. And we may really never be able to see Wanda in the same light again. Mm-hmm. And I think that's bold and the faith that they have in the strength of Marvel stories and also that they are they are playing with house money. They know after 23 films that we're in. <laughs> we're yeah, we in. Show yeah. us what you, you know, show us what you have in up your sleeve. We're going to hang out to see it, you know? Um, I was, Tina, God bless the goddess. She, she's, you know, we saw it and then we ran, walked the dog and, and, and got ready for the show. It was like boom, 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 boom. And she said, you know, I appreciate the humor, the sitcom humor of the first three episodes. She says, but I'm ready for it to be less funny. And I want to know more of the drama. I want, I want the story, which is exactly what Marvel wants to do for us. Um, and then you were, you know, brilliant in, in doing a little bit of research to confirm that they are playing with house money. Oh, yeah. You want to talk about the money angle there, oh, sir? God. There's a wallet that, that, that Marvel has connected to. You know, you know like, it's like Disney has uh, Donald and his nephews knowing and going up and hanging out with Uncle Scrooge, who has, like, all the money in the universe, right? Marvel Scrooge bought Marvel. Yeah, Marvel has <laughs> Disney. And if Disney doesn't have all the money in the world, they've got about half of it. Uh, and some of that they had before Marvel, but they had got a ton more since they bought Marvel. And I, I know, first to go from what you were talking about, again, no spoilers, um, I feel like what you're going to see, maybe it's the reverse. Maybe it's, it's, it's Warner Brothers and DC following in the footsteps of Marvel and Disney or it could be that race. But, you know, years ago, Marv Wolfman did Crisis on Infinite Earth and oh, yeah. became aware of all the multiverses and the superheroes. And it was their way of bringing a lot of their Justice Society characters from the 1940s and stuff in, back into 
this realm, if you will, this sort of, we can print stories about these guys now because they're on another earth and we can do this and we can do that. And Marvel has done its magic with their characters and space and, and dimensions and all of that. And I feel like what we're seeing with the crossover and the Infinite Earth stories and the multiple Superman and multiple Batmans that Warner Brothers and DC are now doing with their films, I feel like Marvel started out doing that when they were not only connecting the, the Marvel movies so that you had this huge 20-some-odd opus, but also how they weaved the TV shows, connected those as well through Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. and, and references, little one-line references in Daredevil and some of the others. So right. they were getting this bigger-than-movie cinematic universe. And so for them now to open up this, because you were talking about WandaVision, you feel like the story or some of the elements that are happening in it will affect other films that are becoming. And you're absolutely right. They're already talking about Spider-Man. They're already talking about um, uh, Thor as well. And they're talking about, yeah, and they're talking about uh, Daredevil and, and some other characters filtering in and not necessarily just, oh, a Daredevil action. Yeah. No. But they're Matt talking Murdoch, about uh, yeah. Matt Murdock, Chris. Uh, excuse me. That it just just like yesterday, it hit that they're talking to Chris Evans about reprising Captain America in some way. Yeah, and maybe Tony. You know, maybe Robert Downey Jr. is Tony Stark. So I, I can see that as connection, definite connection, elements connection. of multi. Yeah. yeah. So all that is all coming from this weird gamble of a of a uh, well, limited series yeah it's a gamble in certain ways but let's let's talk about that from the business end and again folks creativity it starts in in our heads and our hearts and how well we do it you know speaks to our skills and, and our research and our study and our mentors and all of those things but then there's the money part and and there's a whole skill set there and so let, let us just look at this, for instance. I, I looked up a few numbers very quickly before we jumped on, on, on the line here. We jumped on the mics here, which is very painful. Um, I remembered. Ouch! Yeah, well, yeah, so move over. I remembered that at the time that Disney bought Marvel, it was just as the Avengers was coming out that the deal was sealed. And I remember reading that the Marvel Avenger movie made so much money that it almost, and I had it, the numbers off a little bit, but that the money that, that the, the, the one Avengers movie made, that first Avengers movie made, was millions, and it almost made like a good portion of their investment back. So here's, here are the numbers as I just looked them up very quickly. Disney bought Marvel Enterprises for $4 billion in wow. 2009. Okay, here we are in 2021. In 2009, Disney paid four billion, not million, billion with a B, for Marvel Comics. The Avengers movie, which they started, as I understand it, before Disney plunked down the check. Right. The budget for the Avengers movie was 220 million. <laughs> the movie made 400 million. So when the, when the money came in for the Avengers movie, Disney already owned Marvel 
And so that 400 mil wound up going into the, the, the Disney trust, okay, into the yeah. Disney wallet, right? To date, as of supposedly last year, just on Marvel movies, Disney has made $18 billion. They paid $4 billion for Marvel. They've made $18 billion. They've made more than four times their investment right. in billions. Now, now, of course, they've spent money on making oh, each of the movies, but they are clearly, clearly uh, very pleased with their um, investment. They would not be spending the crazy money they're spending if the money wasn't coming in in, yeah. in at least double fold. Yeah, absolutely. And it it benefits in this case um, this creative risk that they're taking with WandaVision that I think is paying off beautifully. You know, I'm a little more patient than some others, but I, I think it's it, it's so laced with. Um, foreshadowing and I you know the big trick of WandaVision it will not be the first three or four episodes it'll be the last three episodes yeah yeah because they're you know they're building so so much into it that the challenge will be to pay it off well but here's Uh, the thing too is you know we create worlds that's what we do, you know, as individual writers working on an individual project. Forget the, the mega projects of a, of a corporation or, or a studio. Just writing, you know, Simple Rebellion or writing Genius High or me writing Blackjack, we're creating worlds. And, and we're, we're filling them with characters. And when you, when you take that skill set and you multiply it, you know, I, I, I think one of the most amazing things about the films you know, individually or collectively, is that there's a number of writers who've worked on these different projects. It's not been the same writer through all of these. Just like with the comics, it wasn't just one writer who did all of Marvel Comics. So the blending of of, of these mindsets and these characters and these story arcs and, 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 and going from comics, which is a different medium than film, right. and being able to expand on that, the creativity involved there is is amazing. And I do, in a moment, want to refer to a couple of examples of uh, sort of like little kid project and money uh, and, and, and what came out of that. So, But I just want to say, you know, looking at how they've netted films together and the TV series together and all that, it's just incredible. And I, and I would only add to that is that, uh, that in, for example, with WandaVision, they have paid attention to artistry mm-hmm. in every episode. Each episode takes place in a kind of a different decade of television. And they used accurate cameras, accurate uh, screen ratios, accurate uh, movements, um, uh, sets, uh, costumes. I mean, they really... Even, the, even the- know, When we're all said and done, we will have seen such a, a such a, a just a a, a banquet mm-hmm. of visuals to help tell this story that I think is a story of pain and mourning, it, and, and will will eventually fit so perfectly into post Endgame mm. uh, 
that it'll it'll seem seamless after the fact. But we, we will see. see. We will see. Uh, just just to go um, teacher mode for a moment. Let us, you know, going back to what I was saying about creating worlds. Let us look at that, and let us look at you know, and, and people who love these films or enjoy these films or even go, eh, well, it's just superheroes. Uh, look at the subtext. Look at the themes that are being explored here. Mm -hmm. Now, don't just see spandex and superpowers, but look at the themes. Look at, like you said, loss. Uh, where do I fit in? Um, you know, what, what happens when you have a super ego and no soul? You know, these are, these are things, you know, when you're going up against all odds, what is right? What is, right. what is truth? What is fair? You know, what do we when see do I my as feet? we're going through? What do we see as we're going through it? What do we see in retrospect? Yeah, exactly. You know? And yes. that, as a, as a storyteller, as, as writers, you know, and artists, I, I always talk about, and I know you do too, you talk about what is the journey you're taking your characters on? Mm -hmm. the, the visual beauty of a film or the visual beauty of someone's artwork in a comic book or graphic novel is fantastic. But pretty pictures are nice, but that's not what we're following. That's not what we become fully immersed in and fully engaged in. It's the journey of those characters. And what am I getting out of it? Why am I reacting pro or con to certain things? We always ask our students to look at that. What are you trying to tell us in your story? What do you want us to feel through it as we move through it? And what do you want us to take away at the end? What are you saying? And that's, that's a lot of what we're learning here. And I think one of the reasons why the Marvel stuff has worked so well is they're not fixated on, okay, because we're doing superheroes, superpowers, fantastic characters, it all has to be hard-hitting drama. There's humor, there's, there's mirth in there, there's, there's, there's this kookiness, and then there's pain and there's loss and there's, there's political statements and there's, there's you know, slice of life moments and there's, you know, what do I stand for? What do I believe in? So the spiritual moments, there's all of that in there because they treat these superheroes as humans who happen to be able to do X. Mm -hmm. And that's where we, the audience, get involved, which is why some fans go crazy if you don't portray a certain storyline or character exactly the way they felt or believed it was in the comics. Right. But yeah, we've, we've, we've put another breath of life into these characters when we put them on film and we're telling a bigger story and we've got the opportunity. Don't see it as a penalty. We have the right. opportunity to explore human dynamics on even another level. And, and that feeds into what we do as creatives and what we are preaching uh, or urging yeah, uh, creatives who watch this. Can I get an amen? Uh, you know, go treat your, your characters as the fully rounded humans or, or you know, that they should be. Mm -hmm. you know? And consider, consider all aspects of what they're going through. And I think that's, I think in, in retrospect, we're going to see that wander vision is, it, 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 there's a lot more to it than we're seeing right now. And I'm, I'm hoping it becomes what we see in retrospect as, as a worthy experiment and that they, they, they paid it off. It was a payoff in there. Yeah, so we'll see. Now, speaking of payoffs, what a segue. 
Yeah, yeah. Now, see, we're we're going, about, I got my finger on a, on a point here. So let's see, where are you going with it? Well, I'm ready. I'm ready to play what if with the big money, bro. Well, you okay. So it. funny you should you mention. Make your point, and then I'm ready to go. Well, see, because I was going to segue into um, the, the the little money first. So uh, there are three independent films back in the day that were made that I looked at the numbers again because you know hindsight, that longer vision. So there was a movie called El Mariachi. Sure. Right. 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 And Robert so, Rodriguez. Yeah, Rodriguez and Robert. Some people may think of the El Mariachi with with Antonio Banderas where there were millions involved, and I think, uh, I, I, oh, just as I started to say her name, uh, it was a beautiful, uh, dark-haired... Salma, Salma Hayek. Yes, right, Salma Hayek, right. Uh, so that was that film. But before Second that... only film, to the goddess. Yeah. That, <laughs> so before that film, there was Robert's version of that film, the thing that he poured his soul into and believed in and shot um, in the urban streets, and it was... He pulled together through credit cards and, and odd jobs and all kinds of stuff, and on faith, he pulled together $7,000. And that's what he was able to, to find, pull together, and spend to make that more rugged, urban version of that film, which got him notice, which then moved him into the L.A. light. And, yes, he did the other version. I still prefer his first version, but that's beside the point. Robert now has his career, and he's, he's, he's on that track. He, uh, he wrote a great book about film writing and filmmaking. Um, uh, Rebel Without a Contract or something like that, Robert Rodriguez. And one of the key things he taught was, you know, people say write what you know. I'm telling you, film what you have. Mm-hmm. He said, I have, or write what you have. I had a guitar. I think he said guns. I'm not sure. But a guitar, something else, and a turtle. <laughs> or a tortoise. Or a tortoise. And uh, so he wrote El Mariachi. Yeah. You see the tortoise in there, and you see the guitar in there, and then whatever else they do, you know? So... His second thousand dollar investment netted two million. Yeah, and and yeah. just think about the percentage of success there. God bless yeah. him. Yeah, uh, so that's one. That, yeah. That's one. Now let me jump from Robert to, and not necessarily in chronological order. Uh, we jump from Robert to, um, just as I started to do it, I hate when my head does that. Anyway, the film is called Return of the Caucus Seven. Mm-hmm. And oh, why wow. can't we pull together the, 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 the writer's name? Because he's a famous writer. And it was in my head when I was doing the research. That's how I did the research. And now I'm blanking on the mic. But okay. While you're looking it up for me, I will say he pulled together from writing B movie, some B movie scripts and things. And, and one of them got filmed was called um, Alligator with Steve Forrester, right? John Sales. Thank you, John Sales. Thank you. Sorry, John. Forgive me, please. Um, he wrote some other movies, got paid, took that money, reinvested, like John Cassavetes, reinvested it. John Sales reinvested that money. But he spent $60,000 to film Return of the Secaucus 7, which was um, a film about these six people who grew up together in New Jersey and where their lives were at this point. It's sort of a dramatic 
uh, human experience storyline. That made two mil. And then he went on to do other films and kept building his experience and his credits and you know his budget to some degree, too. But again, like you said, write what you know, write the stories that matter to you, write the stories that speak to you or the experience that speaks to you. So that was him. And then we'll go one more number. So we went from 7,000 investment to 2 million, a 60,000 investment to 2 million. We go to Mr. Robert Townsend, who did Hollywood Shuffle, about the black experience in Hollywood, right? And he, again, credit cards and whatever else he could do to get the money to make this film. He dropped $100,000 to get that film done. Yeah. It's on that belief. And that netted five mil. Oh. So, yeah, yeah. So, you know, again, it's a thing of. Well, you got. Yeah, my sir. guy, Kevin Smith, who I think it was $25,000 or $27,000 in credit cards. And yeah. He filmed, he, he filmed it in black and white. They were like, oh, he's so artistic. No, the reason he filmed it in black and white was because it was cheaper to develop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And but, we you know. Yeah. We know Kevin Smith is is okay now. He's doing okay. He's, you know? Yeah, he's a hard worker, but he is doing yeah. okay. But, but, and even recently, he did that thing where he released his movie uh, and traveled around the country with it. Yeah, and, he toured yeah. it. Yeah, and yeah. Was, it was the most successful, most profitable um, uh, ticket per seat or something like that. Profit per seat. Uh, um, in, in all of last year. All right. Now, once again, we're, we're, we're not dropping dollar signs here. And I know you've got another step to go, Chris, and we'll do that in a second. We're not dropping dollar signs to say, you know, do it for the money, man. All right. You should make money. You should, because that's how we can do more things and build and all that. But again, it's about a belief in telling a story that's important to you, whether it's humorous or otherwise. It's about getting that story out, not holding on to it and beginning to commence to start to eventually getting around to maybe writing a sentence or two every seven years. Mm -hmm. It's about write the story, put it out there, do it, do it at 7,000, do it at seven bucks. You know, like you said, write what you know, write what you have, do it, get it out there and then move on to that next step. Do that next film and that next book or that next play or that next a piece of choreography and continue to build that world but start with faith in yourself and start with faith in the story that you're trying to tell so yep. where did you want to go Chris because I know you have yet another plateau <laughs> <laughs> well you know and and part of how you go there when you're at that end of the spectrum where or at that end of the you know career where it's scratching money together and, and, and doing it because of doing art for art's sake, not because, you know, you have a big contract or anything like that. Uh, part of the things that keep us going, part of the things that fuel us is the dream. Mm -hmm. And it happens to be <laughs> in the state that I'm in, New yeah. Jersey, no, tonight no, is a Tonight is a drawing for the Mega Millions Lotto for a... It's called Mega Millions Lotto, but what's the number? It's for over a billion dollars. It's just been on a run where no numbers have worked out, 
and it's over a billion. That's such a comically ridiculous prize that it's a perfect exercise for you and I and for the audience to play What If. So, yep. ladies and gentlemen, I have a What If for Alex Simmons and for you. And here is how it goes. You are offered a winning ticket for the billion-dollar Mega Millions. But the catch is, if after taxes, that billion dollars is going to be somewhere between $500 million and $700 million. Oh, chump change. Yeah, okay, right. <laughs> you must spend, for us to give you this ticket, you must spend all but $100 million on creative arts. How do you spend that $4 million or so? What are you going to spend it on? What are you going to what you're, are you going to buy in the creative arts? What, what are you going to finance? Asking, what we spend $400 million on for, in, in, regarding the it's, creative it's arts? It's a version of uh, Richard Pryor's Brewster's Millions, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> what would you, in order for me to keep that 100 mil for me, after I've spent 400 spend mil minimum. 400 mil on the creative arts. Well, believe me, that would not be a problem for moi. You know? Let's see it. Go for it, brother. Well, you know, A, I don't have in front of me right now anything that I can look at to say this would cost this and this would cost that. Cost oh, that. Pocket, baby. But what I would do, what I would do is, A, um, there are, first and foremost, there are at least seven creative arts organizations, charities, not-for-profits, that would get a chunk of that change. And, and that would boost their ability to affect populations on on the planet in various locations. I would definitely be about that. One of them, uh, without dropping names, one of them is a school in um, in Africa where the kids, and there are schools in Africa who are still dealing with this, but this one school was is nurtured by someone here, and those kids have never had books. The school has a book that lessons are written on the board from. The kids then copy down on what they have, the lesson, but the kids don't have their own books. So someone here put together a whole program, a whole program, I think it's been going for like six years, to make those books, to give books to those kids so they could have their lessons, they could take the books home, they're theirs. So definitely things like that, I would be all up in that. Okay, oh, yeah. so that's fun. Um, I've also, the programs that I've done with kids over the past 14 years that involve creativity, involve performers coming in and stimulating, validating, and training kids in using their creativity and their imagination to grow and expand in their world and affect their world and, and maybe, maybe even going after certain creative positions. So I would boost that sucker like crazy, again, on a national level first and connect with certain, um, uh, what would you call it, I guess, certain uh, partnerships in other countries as well to not only uh, support the kids from elementary school through college, support these kids to grow in that way for themselves, but also to make international connections and start to see the world as human beings. And there are people like me here, there are people like me there, here are projects we're doing together. How do we do maybe comics or graphic novels or animation or films 
on the environment as well as things that entertain? How do we do things that teach us about being better human beings, men to women, men to men, all inclusive? Yeah, just letting the letting the young people like an Amanda, you know, the one who inspired you so much at the beginning of this, giving them in a place where they could not only grow, but also maybe turn around and train and, and be the inspiration for those kids. I would also absolutely produce several films, <laughs> plays, and orchestral pieces that I have wanted to for the longest time, right? So there would be some entertainment. Everything I've ever written that's gone out, you know, whether it's uh, books for Disney or comics for DC or, or you know, plays, that I've, everything I've ever, has always had a message. It's always been in there. There are things that I've tried to say or examples I've tried to set or encourage. And so I know that any entertainment that I did would also follow that through line. Now, again, because it has to be the creative arts, um, there are life threats that I would want to impact on. There are places that don't have enough water or enough food and things like that. So I would find literally a series of creative minds to get together and come up with solutions for that. And then I would make the projects that would build those things and provide those things, creative projects that would involve adults and young people solving their own problems through this creative brain trust first and then hands-on building, creating the things. So maybe like something that solves a water problem in a dried area would also be a piece of art, sculpture, or something like that that would be beautiful to look at but is also practical. I could go on like that, but that's that's where my head would go. Right after I took a serious nap, then I would start spending this money. Very cool. I I, I would only do two things. Okay. Okay. What? 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 Well, I have known my friend Alex Simmons for many decades. It's true. And I know that he's not happy unless he's too busy. <laughs> too, too busy. So I have two things that would keep him too busy. Okay. I'm, One I'm... is Kids Comic Con International. Ooh, 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 ooh. Yes. We would, would have endowments in different cities, in different countries around the world, to make conventions for you know exactly your 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 mission statement where kids can go and unleash their imagination and see stuff that is appropriate for them and not have to worry about you know the more adult fair which has its own market mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> the second thing i would do is an offshoot out of there you know, we would have contests and the kids' comic cons, international and all that stuff, and that would feed into comic con academies. Ooh. We would finance Ooh. creative development of uh, kids who are leaning that way, the kind of kids like little Amanda who preferred to sit on the side during research uh, recess and, and write poetry or the person who wanted to, you know, draw, you know, Cheerios man or whoever, right? We, <laughs> we let them just, okay, go. So where are you going to go? And then we would wind up with a place like infinitum. 
Infinitum U. Tim Fielder, as yeah. huge as he is, what is he? Is he like he's like nine foot three? Yes. Um, but, <laughs> but he was a kid sometime. He was only yeah. like six feet when he was six years old. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> you know, we Love would, you, I would, I would do a lot of that um, development of you know, and because you know, you know, one of the great things, I, I, I think it was Questlove who said. Um, you know, seventies had such great music. You know, they had music R and B and 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 rock and all that different stuff. Every every genre had such great, 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 great music. You know, uh, Latin music. Oh well, it's, it was such mm-hmm. great music. And Questlove said one time, "That's because they put money in the arts programs. You know, in the music programs." Yeah. Said, and then when they when they pulled all that money out. There was, it didn't defeat the artistic uh, drive of kids, but they didn't have the yep. musical training. So that's where hip hop came from. That's where all that, you know. Yeah. And and I, I believe the same thing. You know, I have a concern that, you know, are they getting the exposure to story? Are they getting the exposure to uh, imagination and to license and agency that, oh, I could do that too. And yeah. I would. Uh, uh, that's what I would do with some uh, some of the uh, uh, lotto money. Now, part of it is selfish, I'm telling you, because hey. I do have a lotto ticket, and I'm hoping that <laughs> karma. <laughs> Chris, I, I would say from what I know of you and from the testimonials that some of your students have given you over the decades, you, you, you've, earned, you've earned a nap. You've earned vacation in the Bahamas. You've earned an island in the Bahamas. But knowing you, you would you would go to the island and then you'd you come back and do some stuff. Then you might go to the island again and you come back and do, because we don't stop. And that's that's just not us. And one of your students, by the way, is one of those people that I would immediately put either into any of the projects I talked about or into you know a KCC international and and that, that is my, my rhyming brother. Oh, Tony Jackson. Yeah, yeah. Oh, please. Yeah. I want to know what Tony. I want to know what Tony has to say about Amanda, and I would love to 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 give him an endowment to do to do a kids creative con, which is an offshoot of Comic Con. Oh, he and just he just have, let him I, just let him rip. Let him I rip. Him school. So between the two, if we both win something, you know, we will. He's covered. <laughs> he's covered. That's it. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, cool. We've talked about creativity and we talked about money. And you know, the bottom line for me is uh, I spent a lot of years enjoying and pursuing creativity and living in it and, and, and sharing it. And I wouldn't give up any of that for anything. I would yeah. love to have made a lot more money in the process because I've come to realize how much more good stuff I could have done were that the case. So all I'm saying to everybody who's listening to us t- this evening is, or this afternoon or wherever it is, you don't have to have two tons of money to, to be creative and to, to create and bring into the world and to tell some really fantastic stories or art. That's not necessary. Uh, but if you can do that and you can get next to the big bucks, by all means, go for it. Spend it well. Spend it wisely. But don't sell your soul. That yep. would be the thing I would say to that. And, and I would challenge whoever's listening to go into the comments section and tell us what you would do with $400, with $400 million that yeah. you had to spend 
on uh, on creativity. What would you do? Let's let's find out. Let's throw out the positivity into the world. Let's find out what we would do. Next week, on our next episode, uh, we'll answer, by the way, because you may remember in the previous episode, we asked a certain question, and we got this slew of responses, which, you know, and we shared some of them on the episode, but we got a bunch more, so I'm going to share some of those next week. I would love folks who are listening now to share some of your responses to Chris's question about... You got four hundred. Have mil- to spend. That's right. Go ahead. Four hundred mil that you have to spend on the creative arts. Okay, but don't worry. You get a hundred mil for yourself, so you can get a sandwich. You know, you can get a little, maybe a little drink, get a little something. something. Get a little Ritz cracker. Right? You know, hundred mil you got to spend on creative arts. Let's see. Let's hear what you would do with that. Chris, exactly. love you like like you know like always, like always, always good to hang love with. Love you, brother. Love you, brother. A lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely, Tim. You know, we're thinking of you, and he's got the book bam, right over Bam! Right bam! Over. Tim Fielder! Bam! Bam! Right. Okay, so take care, brother. I'll be talking to you. Take care, everybody. Peace, everybody. Let us know what you're going to do with that money. Bam! <laughs>